Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world by building a community whose foundation is on Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, Hey everyone, Um, thanks again for having me on this uh, prayer house call tonight. Um, As uh, was mentioned, my name is Liju, for those who don't know me. Uh, I had the honor of serving as associate pastor of a church called Grace Assembly of God uh, in New York. I hope everybody can hear me uh, and just want to share my heart with you for the next couple of moments. Uh, So hopefully you have a Bible with you, Bible app with you, or a browser open to a Bible of your choice. I'll be in the ESV translation, uh, probably one of the most uh, famous um, portions of Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, and 17. Uh, I'll just be in a couple of scripture portions uh, in that tonight. Um, and then full disclosure, if you hear a lot of noise in the background, I have three boys in the house who are nine, five, and two. So um, the house is not on fire and everything is okay uh, in the background. But if you hear that, um, I, I just want to speak to you from this uh, theme, if you will, tonight, keeping the sheep, keeping the sheep. I'm so grateful for um, this time uh, of quarantine because God is raising up a generation of people uh, to innovate and to revolutionize the way we do community, the way we have church. Um, uh, Zoom calls, right? I mean, you, you think like two months ago, you know how, mu- how, how many steps, how long it would have taken for me to show my parents how to log into a Zoom call? And they're on Zoom calls like every day now. Um, that, that learning curve uh, has steepened, uh, and uh, it's, it's incredible because uh, we're in uncharted territory, but God is up to something, and God is on the move, and I truly believe that. Uh, everybody was already on their phones so much before the pandemic. We were all kind of addicted to our phones, but now during the pandemic, like we're on the phone even more, which is kind of unreal to think about, but even more, whether it's on phone conferences or just video chatting with people or chatting with people or just checking things online. Um, It's interesting when you think about things online because everybody wants to go viral. Everybody wants to be famous online. Um, Before, when you wanted to be famous, you had to know the right people, have the right connections, um, uh, have amazing talent, uh, or just get the exposure. You had to get lucky. But now anybody can be famous, right? Um, A number of years ago, a study was done uh, with a bunch of 10-year-olds to 12-year-olds Um, And in this study, they said being famous was their top goal in life, being famous more than financial success, achievement, more than anything else. They wanted to be famous because they said if they're famous, everyone will know them. They'll be they'll be rich. Right. They wanted to chase after fame. And the study found these three reasons why they wanted to be famous because they had a desire to be seen and valued. They wanted to be famous because they had a desire to have a high status, a high lifestyle. And they wanted to be famous because they wanted to make other people proud of them. They wanted to be somebody in the eyes of other people. Now, that study was about 10 years ago. So those 10 and 12-year-olds are now in their 20s. And I would say the same thing is still true now. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to go viral on TikTok. Everybody wants to be Insta-famous, right? That's the world that we live in. But I want you to ponder this thought tonight. Faithfulness doesn't always go viral faithfulness doesn't always go viral. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're introduced to David, and Samuel, the prophet of God, has been told by God to go to Jesse's house 
because he's going to choose the next king of Israel. Uh, Israel wasn't supposed to have a king, right? Israel wasn't supposed to have a king, but they pleaded for a king. And so God's like, fine, choose a king. And then Saul led them astray. Saul was unfaithful before the Lord. Um, Israel was scared of uh, um, all the enemy nations. And God, was, God said, it's time for me to pick a king. And he told Samuel, go to Jesse's house. He's got a bunch of sons there. I'm going to tell you which one of his sons is going to be a king. And so reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, when they came in, and I'm going to kind of skip over this if you, if you know the story, Samuel's in the house, they do this whole sacrifice, and um, they're, they're waiting, and now it's time for Samuel to choose which one of these sons is going to be the king. And so when they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or on his height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Uh, we, we would find out in the next chapter that three of Jesse's oldest sons are part of Saul's ar- army. So honestly, you would, you would see him and say, okay, these guys are warriors. These guys are soldiers. They obviously look like they can be king. But God was looking at the heart. So all seven of David's older brothers passed by Samuel, and Samuel's like, that's it? There's nobody left? And to which Jesse says this, are all your sons here? And Jesse says, this is verse 11 of chapter 16. And Jesse says, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. I want you to remember that phrase. Behold, he's keeping the sheep. He's keeping the sheep. Jesse doesn't invite David to even to the sacrifice where Samuel is, the prophet of God. Jesse doesn't even mention David by name. He's the last son. He's the forgotten one. He's taking care of sheep. And another translation would say he's taking care of the sheep and the goats. He's out there. He stinks. He's out there in the filth. He's forgotten. He's out there taking care of the sheep. He's keeping the sheep. And Samuel says, we're not leaving. We're not doing, we're not even sitting down until he comes. He gets there and God says, this is the one. This is the one. And David is anointed that day, the next king of Israel. He goes from forgotten, even by his own family, to now being anointed by the Almighty God and his prophet, Samuel, to be the next king. I don't know if, if you know what that feels like to be forgotten. Uh, maybe even as an afterthought in your own family. But sometimes it's your, your own family and those people that are so close to you who don't think you'll amount to anything in your life. Uh, nobody knows your name. You're not famous. You don't go viral. Nobody knows your skill set. Nobody knows what you're capable of. You're so full of talent. You're so full of passion. There's so much you have to offer to this world, and nobody knows it because you're out there keeping the sheep. You're just keeping the sheep. And I can maybe get into David's mind, and if I was David, that's what I would be thinking. I would be wondering, man, do you know what an amazing musician I am? Do you know how skillful I am at playing instruments? Man, do you know what a great writer I am, how I can write poems, I can write lyrics, I can write songs? If just somebody would notice me, if just I would go viral once, if somebody would retweet or reshare my song just one time, I'd get the exposure that I need. I wonder if I would be like David out there keeping the sheep wondering, I wish I could go viral. I wonder, I would say, man, I'm such a mighty warrior, just if somebody would give me a chance. But David's out there and he's keeping the sheep. And now finally, the Bible says he gets his big break. 
Now, finally, he has a chance to go viral. Now, finally, he's going to be famous because Samuel, in front of Jesse and in front of seven brothers, says, this is the one. This is the chosen one. God says, arise. This is the one that I've chosen. But that's not what happens. He gets anointed king and nothing changes. He goes back to keeping the sheep. The only thing that changes is now his brothers probably resent him even more. Probably Jesse's like, I didn't even give him a shot. He was the eighth one. I mean, at this point, you know, I got seven others. I got three that are part of the army. I, I, I'd like, I choose one of them, but he's keeping the sheep. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know about you, but the day I got anointed king is the day I give notice for keeping the sheep. I'm giving notice to Jesse. I'm like, Jesse, it's just a matter of time. Prophet of God, by the way, God of the universe, has just told me I'm the next king. Maybe, just maybe, if you're nice to me, I'll give you a place in my kingdom. Just be nice to me. I'd go to all of the brothers and just mock them every single day. I'm like, you might be a warrior, but I'm a king. No more keeping sheep for King Lydia, if I was David. Now, the Bible says that David became king when he was 30 years old, which means if you work the timeline backwards, he's roughly in his maybe early teen years. Some would say he's around 15 years old, give or take, when this is happening. So he's 15 years old when he's anointed and given the promise and told that he's going to be the king, but he's 30 years old when he actually becomes king. That's like a 15-year, give or take, waiting period between the promise and the fulfillment. I often ask God this question, God, why don't you give us all the details? God gives us the promise. He gives us the provision. For David, it was the anointing. For you and I, it's the Holy Spirit. He gives us the why. He gives us the what. But he often keeps to hold back the how. Often. He doesn't actually tell us the how. He gives us the what. He gives us the why. He gives us the tools. He gives us the promise and the provision, but he doesn't actually give us the plan. Do you know, that, do you know why God withholds that detail from you? He doesn't give you all the details of how that's going to unfold? Because if he gave you all the details, you wouldn't need God. If he gave you every detail, you wouldn't need to rely upon God. So God withholds how that plan is going to unfold from your life because he wants you to be completely reliant upon him. If you knew all the details, you wouldn't need God. But God is often found in the details. God is often found in the journey. Your relationship with God from the time you get that prophecy and that promise to the time that it's fulfilled will become stronger. He'll take you to some heights you never thought you'd get to. He'll bring you to some depth you never thought you'd have to go through. You'll learn more about yourself and more about God through the journey than just by the prophecy or the promise. My dad's a pastor. I've been to every church service ever since I was, since I was young. Any prophet or pastor or preacher that ever came to our church sat in my living room and prayed over me. I've had hundreds of prophecies spoken over my life in one year, in one year, and out the other, right? Like, I've heard it all. But God says, hey, I'm telling you something because I'm about to unfold that plan if you would just trust in me. And so he's busy keeping the sheep. And the rest of chapter 16 says that Saul started having this harmful spirit, actually sent by the Lord, but a harmful spirit that was kind of tormenting him. And he asked for a skillful, skillful person to come and play. And suddenly, somebody recommends David. Remember, David's keeping the sheep. 
thinking nobody's noticing him because he's not going viral. He's not famous, right? And yet somebody says, hey, that guy's a mighty warrior. Hey, we've heard him singing out there with the sheep. He's actually pretty good. You should bring him in here. And suddenly he goes from the pasture to the palace. Why? Because while he was keeping the sheep, he was still operating in his gifting, While he was keeping the sheep, he was still exercising the talents, exercising that which God had deposited within him. That's what it means to keep the sheep. It means staying faithful where God has placed you. It means operating in your gifting exactly where God has positioned you. And think about that. So now he's keeping the sheep still, even though he's anointed as the next king of Israel. And now he's suddenly in the palace ministering to Saul playing music, and when he does, that harmful spirit leaves him. He goes from keeping the sheep in the pasture to the palace, ministering to the king, and that became his new job function. Well, we know what happens in chapter 17 because we hear about this giant named Goliath who's mocking Israel, and all the Israelites are living in fear. And, of course, three of his brothers are in the war, and they're all hiding from Goliath who's mocking, says, who's going to come and take me out? And Jesse tells David, hey, take this food, okay, to your brothers and take these cheeses to the commander, right? See how they're doing and let me know, right? Take this food, take lunch to your brothers. This is the next king of Israel, and Jesse's treating him like Uber Eats. This is the next king of Israel, and Jesse's like, hey, can you drop this food off for your brothers? They're the important people here. They're fighting a war, which, by the way, they're not fighting because they're living in fear, but they're in war. David, please, leave leave the sheep alone and go give this food to them. And so this is what it says in verse 20 of chapter 17. And David rose early in the morning and notice this, this is a detail and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp and we know the rest of the story. Don't miss out the details. He was keeping the sheep before he got the prophecy, before he got the promise. After he was anointed, he was still keeping the sheep, and then God added a job function, ministering to the king, right? Uh, Ministering to Saul. And now, because he's still keeping the sheep, Jesse gives him a command, and instead of being like, hey, I'm the next king. I don't do DoorDash anymore, Jesse. I don't have to do that. Instead of doing that, he lives in obedience, but he still doesn't forget to keep the sheep. He says, hey, I'm going to put someone in charge of my function because it's those little things in our life that if we can be faithful with it, God can and will reward us. He puts someone in charge of that sheep and he goes into the camp and he realizes somebody is mocking not just the nation of Israel, somebody's mocking his God. I love what he says. He's like, who is this uncircumcised fool who dares to challenge my God. And we know the full story, right? He takes these five smooth stones and he takes a sling and he uses that as his ammo to fight Goliath. And verse 49 of chapter 17 says, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. At that very moment, David went viral. At that very moment, David became famous. At that very moment, that same guy who was keeping the sheep 
now became the greatest warrior in Israel. At that very moment, the same one that was out there taking care of the sheep and the goats whose own brothers and father didn't really care about him enough to mention him when a guest came to their house, that same one is now the most feared warrior amongst all the enemies. Notice that when that stone went into Goliath's forehead, he didn't fall backwards like you thought he would. He fell straight on his face. Because we often look at the story of David and Goliath, people who are churched and who are not churched, and we say Goliath was the giant, and the Bible calls him a champion, and he was this huge figure, so tall, so big, so strong. But the real giant in the story of David and Goliath is God. God's the real giant. That's what David felt. David said, this person's bigger, faster, stronger than I am, but my God is bigger than him. You see, while he was keeping the sheep and being faithful with the little that God gave him, he never forgot that even though what he had in his hand was little, his God was the giant. His God was bigger. You see, in our life, we have to realize this. In this story, Goliath doesn't die if David isn't faithful. Goliath never dies if David isn't obedient. If David's not keeping the sheep, he doesn't hear the instruction from Jesse. If he doesn't hear the instruction from Jesse, he never shows up that day on that camp. And if he never shows up there, David never slays Goliath. God rewards faithfulness, but faithfulness doesn't always go viral. The Bible says this, that even if we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. In the parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25, he says this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. And so those who have been faithful with little, God will reward with much. Never forget this, that God is faithful to his promise, even if it doesn't happen on your schedule. God is faithful to his promise, even if it doesn't happen at your timeline or in your schedule. None of your prayers are wasted. Uh, you might be there and, and, and God's given you all this, and you're like, I wish I could just pour this out. And all you have is this little forum. All you have are those four people you talk to every day. All you have is that group chat you're a part of. All you might have is that church that you go to. All you might have is that Christian club that you're a part of at school. All you might have is your family. Or maybe God burnt something in you. Uh, it was Charles Spurgeon who said, man, if you, if I'd rather be faithful in a small town with two or three people than be unfaithful in a great city. He would say something like, I would rather be faithful with maybe a few of us, a few dozen of us who are on a prayer house line than unfaithful on a stage with thousands of people. Faithfulness doesn't always go viral, but it's always rewarded by God because God looks at the heart. God is looking for faithful people, people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and say, God, I'm willing to keep the sheep. God, I'm willing to keep that sheep. I'm willing to get myself dirty when nobody notices me. Because what you don't realize is that God is noticing you. And if we can be faithful with the little that God has given to us, it's little in our eyes, but it's great in God's eyes. Because while God is just giving you this little glimpse, he's got this amazing plan right behind that, saying, if they can just be faithful with this, if they can just take this little thing I've given them so seriously, I will be able to unfold something so amazing. There's that song that says, yes and amen. All of his promises are yes and amen. He is faithful, and God always remains faithful 
to his promise. There are times God won't give you what you want. There are times God won't show you how his plan is going to unfold. But never forget, David went from someone who was keeping the sheep, a humble shepherd, to a national hero, and ultimately, one of the greatest kings of Israel. He wasn't great because of his military prowess or his reputation. He was great because he put his hope in God, and he was faithful faithful with little. For he who is faithful with little can be trusted with much. I don't know what that looks like in your life today. Maybe you're out there keeping the sheep. I would encourage you from the life of David tonight, keep keeping the sheep. Keep at it. Take it seriously because you never know in one moment you can go from the pasture to the palace. In one moment, you can get yourself into an opportunity where now God, the real giant, can show off in your life. It's little to us, but we fail to realize there's a giant standing behind us, just willing, able, and getting ready to show off his power if we would just be faithful with the little things. Can I just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this word. I pray that this word would penetrate people's hearts. God, only your spirit can change the, the heart of a person. So God, I pray this spirit would comfort someone, encourage someone. God, I pray for those who have been forgotten those who are lost, those who feel forgotten and alone even during these times. Let them be reminded that they are never, ever alone. I pray that this word would would remain with us, would sustain us, would give us strength today. God, and I pray that we would keep at it. Be faithful with the little that you have given to us, because God, you're the giant in this story. You're the great God, and your plans are higher than our plans. Your ways are higher than our ways. We trust in you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that this message has been a blessing to you, and we encourage you to keep searching God's word and listening to his voice. We'll see you again on the next one.